Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. This week we're going to have a look at the outlook for unlisted commercial property returns. And by that I mean investments in things like office, retail and industrial property, which is usually pulled together but not listed on the share market. Now over the last 10 and 20 years, returns from Australian unlisted commercial property have averaged around 9% per annum. And that's despite events like the GFC and the pandemic along the way. These strong returns relative to inflation, which was averaging around 2.5%, in part reflected the search for decent income-bearing investments by investors in response to significant falls in interest rates and bond yields. Over the last few decades, that had the, the effect of pushing up property values faster than justified by rents. In other words, people took their money away from interest rates, or bank deposits and bond yields, and bonds and put that money into commercial property and a whole bunch of other assets and push their values up faster than would normally be justified. However, the commercial property space is now vulnerable from the rise in bond yields over the last two years and reduced space demand flowing from work from home for office property and online retail for retail property. But let's first have a look at the relationship between the commercial property asset class and the investment cycle. Just as shares lead in the investment cycle, unlisted assets like commercial property being more connected to the real economy tend to lag. Now, of course, residential has been a little bit different lately. Residential property tends to move a little bit faster because it's become a lot more interest sensitive. So it's somewhere between what shares are doing and what the commercial property market is doing. And of course, we saw those sharp falls last year in residential property prices around Australia, uh, which followed fairly quickly on the heels of falling share markets. Now, bond markets tend to do well in the initial economic downturn phase as interest rates fall and when inflation is still falling. Shares tend to lead the economic recovery as they respond first to easy money and as far-sighted investors sniff out recovery and continue doing well as profits rise before coming under pressure from eventual interest rate hikes and fears of a new downturn. Real assets, by contrast, tend to do relatively well later in the investment cycle, as it takes longer for easy money to flow into them. The valuation process results in a lag. In other words, it takes a while before the valuers start pushing up the values of commercial property, and they tend to move more with the economic conditions which drives rents. This benefited, for example, in other words, the recovery in the economy uh, that we saw coming out of the pandemic benefited unlisted commercial property returns in the financial year 21-22. However, the investment cycle is now turning against commercial property with interest rates up sharply and economic growth slowing. The slump last year and ongoing volatility in share markets that we're seeing has at least partly anticipated this, with commercial property returns starting to follow with a lag. In fact, we're now starting to see declines in value for commercial property. I'll come on to that one in a moment. There's also a relationship between Australian real estate investment trusts, or what we used to call in Australia listed property trusts, and of course the commercial property market. In other words, that demonstrates to some degree the working of the broader investment cycle because REIT returns or real estate investment trusts returns tend to be more correlated to the share market and therefore they tend to move ahead of what is going on in the case of commercial property. This of course makes real estate investment trusts highly volatile but means they also often provide a good lead for what unlisted commercial property is about to do. The weakness that we've seen since January last year 
in real estate investment trusts in Australia and globally signals rougher times ahead for unlisted commercial property. And it's interesting to note that commercial property returns have started to slow reflecting this. On an annual basis, unlisted commercial property returns are now positive, but we have started to see a backup in their yields, uh, which actually means capital losses. So in the last couple of quarters, yields on commercial property have actually backed up quite substantially. This brings me to something called the search for yield. Commercial property is arguably more vulnerable now because it benefited from the decades-long downtrend in interest rates and bond yields that may have now come to an end or be in the process of reversing. Of course, we know bond yields and interest rates have gone up over the last year or so, but I guess I'm talking here about the longer-term trend. There's a good chance that that downtrend is now over and is now reversing. As interest rates and bond yields fell, over the last few decades, it drove a search by investors for decent income-bearing investments. And of course, we often refer to that as the search for yield. This pushed up property values faster than growth in rents and hence pushed property yields which is basically the underlying annual rents divided by the value of the property to record lows. It's worth noting that each 0.25% fall in property yields translates to a roughly 4% capital gain. And with average commercial property yields, this is across office, retail and industrial property, having fallen from around 7.3% to 4.9% between December 2009 and December 2019, this provided a huge boost to returns over the 10-year period. In fact, average returns were boosted by around 4.3% per annum, and in total, values were pushed up by nearly 50% over a 10-year period. And this was all due to the decline in yields. The thing is that this is now starting to go in reverse. As I just mentioned, we're starting to see a backup in commercial property rental yields. In fact, since the low point, which is around middle of last year, we've seen something like a 0.5% increase in yield, which is translated to, roughly speaking, a 9% or so decline in capital values across the commercial property space. Now, of course, that's been partly offset in terms of total returns because you are still getting some rental yield and rents might have gone up a little bit, so, so it hasn't been quite as bad as that. But the underlying driver of falling yields has now turned into a negative driver of rising yields, which translates to capital loss. And that is starting to lead to a sharp slowdown in total returns. And if you look beneath the hood, capital values are now starting to fall. Of course, while the declining yield since the 1980s was big, unlisted non-residential property was not alone in this. In fact, while the grossed up dividend yield from shares has been range bound over the last 40 years, so that's one asset class that hasn't seen a huge revaluation effect from lower interest rates, yields on bonds, residential property and listed property trusts or Australian real estate investment trusts have fallen more than unlisted commercial property yields. In other words, the yields on commercial property have come down, but the yields on many other asset classes have fallen even further. In fact, if you go back to the early 1980s, the rental yield on residential and commercial property was roughly similar. But today, the yield on residential property is well below the yield on commercial property. So this would suggest that while unlisted commercial property is vulnerable to an ongoing backup in interest rates and bond yields, other assets are arguably even more vulnerable because they saw a bigger fall in their yields through the last 10, 20, 30 years. But of course, there is a catch here as commercial property is facing an oversupply problem in office and retail, whereas the other assets are not facing an oversupply problem. For example, if you take Australian housing, it in fact is facing a chronic shortage as immigration surges and there's not enough property to house everybody except by squeezing in together. And that's obviously a huge problem in the Australian property market as evident in very low rental vacancy rates and rising values that we're starting to see come through. As I mentioned in one of my recent 
podcast. It's unclear as to how far that will go, given that interest rates are still rising, but that's a different story. But first, to get a better handle on the relative attractiveness of unlisted commercial property compared to bonds, we calculate a property risk premium. Comparing the bond yield with the average property yield is not strictly correct as the former is a nominal yield, while the latter is a real yield. So a better comparison is to look at the risk premium offered by commercial property over bonds. The way we do this is to assume that rental and capital growth on commercial property averages around 2.5% per annum over time. In other words, in line with the Reserve Bank's target for inflation. And we then add this to the average unlisted commercial property yield to give a guide to the potential total returns from the asset class. From this, we then subtract the 10-year bond yield on offer, and that shows the property risk premium. Right now, it's around 4%. It's interesting to note that despite the collapse in property yields in late 2020, it reached a record high of more than 6.7% thanks to plunging bond yields at the time below 1%. Since then, the rise in bond yields has seen the risk premium on commercial property plunge to levels not seen since the 2000s. But at around 4%, it's still relatively high. But there are two threats here. The first is if bond yields continue to rise, reversing the yield-chasing investor flows that commercial property has benefited from over many years. And even if bond yields don't rise much further from here, there is a risk that the reduced property risk premium that commercial property now offers may not be enough to keep investors happy given the outlook for deteriorating leasing conditions ahead. Which brings me to leasing conditions and here is the big problem. Leasing conditions typically deteriorate when the economic cycle turns down. As companies lay off workers, cut hiring, retail spending slows, economic activity slows generally impacting industrial property. This time around it could be made worse by structural considerations in the case of retail and particularly office property. Retail property has been adjusting for years to the rising proportion of activity which is transacted online. In fact, it's gone from about 7% pre-pandemic to 11% now. So that's obviously a big problem for retail space demand and retail rents. But the bigger issue is probably in office property. While there has been a return to the office post the pandemic lockdowns, many office employees are averaging two days a week or so in the office, with Mondays and Fridays often near deserted. There are huge benefits to working together physically around culture, collaboration, idea generation, and learning from others, but there are also benefits to working from home in terms of no wasted commute time, more focused work, less damage to the environment, better family flexibility and life balance. Once the pandemic revealed these benefits, they can't then be unseen. And cost-focused companies with hot desking, laptops and work anywhere IT have pushed their staff in the work from home direction anyway. The ideal for most is probably somewhere in between the extremes. It won't be working at home full time for most, but it won't be in the office the bulk of the time for most either. I would say that the balance is going to be around two to three days a week in the office, but a return to the pre-pandemic norm of four to five days in the office is most unlikely. This means that many companies will likely give up space when their leases expire, as they accept that balance work from home is here to stay and they use it as a way to save rental costs. Over time, this could mean a 30 to 40% reduction in leased office space demand. Average Australian capital city office vacancy rates are already at 15%. They're higher since the mid-1990s. But because this measures lease spaced space, significant upside is possible if companies bite the bullet and cut leasing requirements. And rising vacancy rates mean lower office rents 
and falling values. Now the combination of the backup in bond yields resulting in a stalling if not reversal of the search for yield demand for commercial property, slowing economic activity and structural threats to office and retail space demand leaves unlisted commercial property at risk of significant capital loss. And by that I mean 15% or more capital loss ahead and I wouldn't be surprised if it's quite a bit more than that. Industrial property has benefited from the plunge in bond yields but does not face the same structural threats to space demand as office and retail do and so is far better placed. So in other words, there's a bit of a double whammy coming down the line hitting commercial property. Obviously, the lagged impact of higher interest rates and bond yields, reversing the so-called search for yield flows that benefited over many years, but also the reduced space demand in the case of office and retail property. This also risks a flow onto banks, particularly in the US where commercial property loans make up about 40% of smaller banks lending and 13% of bigger banks lending at a time when property owners will be finding it harder to borrow with the recent banking stress in the US. In fact, many companies have cut back their lending. In Australia, commercial property loans are only 6% of bank assets and lending is far more prudent here, suggesting less risk of a return to the damage uh, that banks saw in the early 1990s commercial property collapse. Of course, the key things to watch in all of this will be what bond yields do if they keep rising then obviously the threat to commercial property becomes bigger whether the economy avoids a recession and where the work from home phenomenon settles i hope this has been of some value until we meet again adios to keep up to date with dr oliver in the simplifying investing podcast series be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform